Welcome to the Death Kit Show. Let's go. Hey yo! Hey. Oh, oh, oh. Here it comes. Y'all ready? I don't think y'all ready. Huh? Huh? Jeff Key coming at you, the over-circumcised Jew. Travel the world telling jokes, eating eggs with no fucking yolks. Low-cal, so-cal, he pulls out the knife and he stoops your gal. This is his podcast, maybe this one will last. Probably not the one that he's got. He's only had minor success. That's why he brought ND to the M to the X. He's finally about to blow. Welcome to the Jeff Key Show. What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. All right. Uh, Good to be back. I was on a cruise over Christmas, and uh, then it was just family time, and I know everybody's celebrating the holidays, traveling, doing your stuff. So um, let's see. It's first day of the year, and I'm I'm going to address what every single person apparently online is addressing is... Louis C.K. apparently did stand-up again, which uh, is just ruining people's lives, apparently. And somebody secretly recorded it, of course, and then the, they leaked the footage, the, the audio clip. Excuse me. And then, uh, yeah, so Louis C.K., uh, the, everyone, everyone's breaking down his material and all this stuff. So I'm going to get to that in a second. Then I got first, I got a couple quick thoughts. It's going to be a quick pod to first of the year, so I want to hang out with the family and everything. I want to get something out there. So, first thing, New Year's Eve, I went. Uh, my wife and I took our kids to my parents' house. My grandmother passed away a year ago yesterday. So, New Year's Eve is always going to be kind of a shitty time uh, for my mom from now on, and the family obviously. So, I know nothing makes my mom happier than seeing her grandkids. So, wanted to make sure we spend as much of the day as possible. Here's my thing. I'm 35. I just turned 35. I can't, staying up till midnight seemed like such a task. I texted my buddy, I was like, man, six years ago, you and I were, was it six years ago? Seven years ago. Seven years ago. Holy shit, that was seven years ago. I texted him six, but it was seven. Uh, we're on a beach in Thailand, New Year's Eve, partying, going hard. Now, now I'm taking my two kids and my wife down to my parents' house, and by 4 p.m., I was exhausted. I wanted to take a nap. I fell asleep for about a minute, and then my wife woke me up. I was on the couch. My wife and my daughter woke me up. So that is just a big change in life. You know what I mean? I'm sure everyone's out there partying and stuff. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I'll ever be there again. I guess when the kids get older. Is that what happens? Any parents listening who have older kids? I guess when the kids get older, my wife and I will start doing parties or something. But, man, I'm waking up early every day uh, and... Staying up till midnight was tough. We didn't. I thought we were gonna stay with my parents till midnight. We're just like, let's just get home. I don't want to get on the. road. I'm just saying old people stuff. You don't want to be on the road when there's all the drunk people. All the drunk people will be out, not safe. That's me now. I think like that. I have a voice in my head that sounds super old. That goes, yeah, eh, I don't know. You want to be out there with all the drunks? Really risky. My mom said that to me ever since I've been driving. There's drunk people every night on the road, and probably during the day too. So. That's a big change, getting older. Uh, another thing that's pretty funny, I mean, it's not funny why my parents or my mom is doing this, but uh, 
my mom has Parkinson's and uh, she's had it for a while. She has a, she goes to a boxing class, which is really cool and helps with motor skills and stuff. So she met a lady there who also has Parkinson's and told her, Hey, you know, it's really good. Uh, I smoke weed every day. She's like, I wake, it's not like a lot, but she goes, I wake up and I take a hit off a joint and then I, uh, you know, it really helps me, you know, it's cause you know, Parkinson's is a neurological thing. So nerves and all that stuff, whatever. I'm not an expert, but um, said it really like calms the tremors and stuff. So it's so funny because, you know, I, I barely smoke anymore, but I used to smoke more often. My parents, I, I was, you know, upfront about it with my parents. I don't, you know, it's not worth, it's, I don't know. It's not like I'm doing, not killing people or anything. So my parents would always look at it like such a horrible thing. And I told my mom a while, years ago, I go, you should try and look into, you know, some medicinal marijuana for that. It might help. And she's like, I'm not going to be smoking uh, pot Jeff. And now, uh, she met a friend and she's now she's peer pressured into it. And my dad, I think is partaking as well. What's funny is they went to a dispensary for the first time. They call me and, uh, I was like, so what'd you get? Or I called them. I said, what'd you get? And my dad kept saying, well, we got seven smokes. And I, I, for the life of me, I thought he was calling joints smokes. And I'm like, what? I go, you're getting seven smokes. What does that mean? Are you talking about joints? He's like, smokes, smokes. I don't know. What do you call it? Smokes. We got some smokes. And I for, I swear I thought this guy was just uh, saying, uh, making up his own slang terms. But it turns out there's these pre-rolled joints and the brand or something is called Lull Smokes. Uh, so he wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as ridiculous as I thought. But it was funny for at least a couple minutes. He's trying to explain to me how he got some smokes. I never heard that one, you know what I mean? Heard reefers, joints, stuff like that, you know? So, uh, you know, what pissed me off is my parents, I said, they give you some free stuff, it's your first time there, and they said no, they didn't get free stuff. If anyone who's ever been to a dispensary, California especially, I don't know how it is in other states, they always go, oh, your first time here? Hey, we threw a little something in the bag for you. They didn't throw anything in the bag for my parents, so I don't like that. Pretty much quitting, by the way. I don't think, now that my parents, you know, are into it, I'm out, you know? I don't really need to do anymore got two little kids weird can't really enjoy a high when you have two little kids even if they're asleep well obviously i'm not doing when they're awake but they're asleep it's just like i'm just paranoid the whole time like what if something bad happened and i'm just big i'm big loser you know so anyways my parents are into it i think i'm out um all right here's the one thing one other thing and then i'll get into this louis ck thing uh if you ever been to a public pool i noticed this when i was on the cruise ship uh, performing uh, last week, they they have these signs up everywhere, you know, uh, at public pools, and they have it on cruise ships. If you've had diarrhea in the last two weeks, you know, let somebody know, uh, and you know, go to the the medical office. And then at public pools, it just says if you had diarrhea, like don't go in the pool. Who has ever gone to a public pool or a gym? They have it at the gym, you know, in the jacuzzi or whatever, the hot tub. And uh, do you guys say jacuzzi or hot tub? That's kind of, I just I say both. Are they different things? Is a hot tub a type of jacuzzi or is a jacuzzi a type of hot tub? I don't know. So they say, they always say if you've had diarrhea, don't get in. Who's walking about to get into the hot tub at the gym? Other people there. And then they see that sign and go, oh, huh. well, I was going to, I was going to get in with you guys, but uh, I've been having the squirts lately. So I'm going to have to back off. No one's being honest about that, right? I have diarrhea at least once every two weeks. Not to get gross on you guys, but I mean, diarrhea is like part of my life. So, 
<laughs> I just don't think anybody's walking to any. I don't think that sign has ever stopped anyone from getting into any public body of water. Oh, hey guys, diarrhea. I got to be honest here. And then people in the thing are probably like, well, I have diarrhea, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it. So I think those signs are funny because I don't, I don't think there's a person on the planet who's ever been honest about their diarrhea before getting into a public pool, a gym pool, uh, a cruise ship, whatever. I don't know where those signs were on the cruise ship. I forgot, but I love how they say go seek medical attention. Can you imagine you just ate something that you don't usually eat? So, you know, your stool is a little different. So you go to the doctor. <laughs> hey, uh, my shit usually is perfect. I don't have perfect shits. So I think I might be dying. Is this AIDS? I usually have just perfect Lincoln log like poops. And, uh, man, I had a little, little loose, little loose today, doc. So is it cancer? What's going on here? All right. That's a pretty gross topic, but had to get it off my chest. Had to get that shit off my chest. Um, all right. So here's the, the Louis CK thing. If you guys haven't listened, I didn't listen to the whole set. Apparently the whole set was recorded louis ck he's uh you know dipping back in doing stand-up which you know i'm here's my thing before i start talking about this let me just say this i was never like some huge louis ck fan he was never you know i was never like oh it's my favorite comic or whatever um i think he has some great bits i think he has some hilarious stuff um i thought that you know overall you know this is the thing if somebody gets super big in anything i feel like there's always people are like kind of overrated right and i thought he was a little overrated but i mean not really because he has some brilliant bits he has some amazing bits and i think it's just a thing especially with comedians because comedy is so subjective so if anybody gets super famous there's always gonna be people thinking well he's, he's good he's really good but i don't know if he should be this famous so it's kind of just kind of a you know stupid basic uh, character trait of mine so i don't really think he was overrated i just thought i don't like it when somebody especially a comic get so famous that everybody thinks everything they say is brilliant. I mean, I know there's people that think I'm really funny. It doesn't mean everything that comes out of my mouth is, you know, word of God or something. So um, I just want to preface it with that because I don't want anyone thinking, uh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm some huge Louis C.K., you know, dick writer or something. I think he's a really, really great comic. Um, and, uh, you know, the stuff that he got – in trouble for is he, uh, if anyone doesn't know, is he would um, basically somewhat corner women, I guess, that he, that, you know, were subordinates, basically like women who were opening for him at a comedy club or women who worked on one of his show on a show or whatever. So he's the boss basically. And he would ask them, can I jerk off in front of you? Which is <laughs> like a very, it's a very weird thing. And they, uh, you know, someone came out and said, you know, made him very uncomfortable, which, you know, I don't know how that's not uncomfortable, right? But, uh, you know, and then Louis C.K. came out and apologized and said, you know, he didn't realize, you know, the power he held over these people and blah, 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 whatever. Okay, so whatever you think of the apology, whatever you think of Louis C.K., whatever you think of what he did, you know, he didn't, let's just get so he didn't rape anybody. Uh, what he did is, you know, I think pretty fucking weird at the at the the very least it's very very weird um i've never <laughs> i've never had anyone working for me really i guess so i don't know if I, I was never really in that position but basically his his whole apology i think to sum it up if i'm doing it justice you could look all this up online but i think his apology was basically you know he looked at these at these people like kind of like peers because they were just comics everyone's a comic and he didn't look at himself like oh i'm 
you know, I have power over you and you have to say yes to this. So he felt like they're hanging out, like they're kind of buddies. And he's just sort of like, oh, this is my thing. Can I jerk off in front of you? So he didn't feel like uh, he was doing anything, uh, you know, wrong at the time or something, I guess. And again, look that up, you know, um, so you could see what his apology was or anything. And I know people who know Louis C.K. who told me that they talked to him afterwards and uh, he basically was saying like, yeah, I just, I never thought of myself like that or whatever. So, okay. So that's the thing. Uh, I know people have real strong opinions, but basically the whole like me too thing, everything got conflated, uh, which I don't think that's ever a good thing because I think every individual situation and everything in life is different. You know what I mean? It's when you start conflating things and going, Oh, this happened and this happened and they're all the same. It's like, "Mm, well, every situation is different. You know, there's people who are actually raping women there's and getting away with it because they're powerful. There's people, you know, the casting couch stuff, which I don't even know why that's a new thing. Everybody kind of knows about that goes on in Hollywood. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not defending it. It's not a good thing, but you know, Oh, basically, you know, a lot of producers, Oh, suck my dick and you'll get this part or let me have sex with you and you'll get this big part or whatever. Right. So that's shitty. It's horrible that, you know, women have to feel that way. I also, I would also point out, I know of a casting director who's obviously not as big as somebody like Harvey Weinstein or something, but a casting director who casts a lot of stuff, who's a female. And I never happened with me. I don't think I was her, I don't know if I was her cup or tea or not or whatever, but, um, I heard from, she was a black casting director. She casts a lot of like, I guess you'd say black shows, urban shows or whatever. And a lot of black comics, uh, have told me that she, kind of did sort of the same thing. Like she would want you to hook up with her and then she'd, you know, try and push you as hard as she could for the part. So, you know, they say power corrupts or whatever and all that stuff. I think that's totally true. That doesn't mean everybody in a power position is doing shady shit, but there are a lot of people and it's mostly men, but there are women doing it too. So not good, right? So here's my thing about the Louis C.K. thing. So he did... Uh, the the main audio that like really got uh, people talking was he did a joke about uh, trans people, like trans uh, kids, basically, he said, uh, or young adults who are trans or whatever. And then uh, he did a bit about the Parkland, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas uh, kids who are, you know, real big activists now for uh, gun control and stuff. He did a bit about them. And <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, before I get into what the actual bits were, Louis C.K. has always been known, like him or hate him or, you know, being different, whatever. He's always done the, you know, quote, daring stuff, the quote, fearless stuff. You know what I mean? And he was always applauded for it by Hollywood and by the media. Like, oh, look at him. He he crosses the line, you know? Isn't it great? Man, he he just says it like like so that was always his thing, and I'm not knocking it or defending it or anything. I'm just saying that's what his thing always was. I mean, he did a joke about this is the thing when sometimes people hear trigger words in a bit and they think the bit is about that. Like someone's you know they say like oh you can never joke about 9/11 right because obviously it's a tragedy, horrible what happened, so many people lost their lives and so many thousands 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 of lives were ruined forever or, or you know completely altered for the worse forever. So Louis C.K. did a joke after 9-11. So this is, we're talking like over 15 years ago, he did a joke where he said something like, um, I think you could tell how uh, bad of a person you are or how good of a person you are or something about uh, how long you waited to masturbate after the attacks, right? And And then his tag was, for me, it was in between the first and second tower. So just to break down that joke real quick, 
a lot of people go, oh, it's a 9-11 joke. It's not, it's not, a, in, in no way, and I'm not saying it's my favorite joke. I'm not saying it's a joke I would make or anything like that. But I'm saying in no way is that joke uh, making fun of, that joke is about him making fun of himself for being a bad person. Like he's calling himself a bad person in that joke. Like I am a scumbag. I'm a shitty guy. I was jerking off in between the first and second tower, right? So he found a way to talk about, uh, you know, a subject that obviously is super sensitive and a horrible tragedy, right? So, you know, if he made a joke like, "Oh, did you see the people jumping out of the building? Wasn't that funny?" Like that'd be way different than the joke he made, which was the crux of his joke is, "I'm a shitty guy." So the thing that's interesting to me is he's doing the same thing. He goes on stage, he talks about these super touchy subjects, whatever. And basically what he said about uh, uh, trans uh, community or trans kids, he basically said uh, the younger generation, he's 51, I guess, and he said the younger generation nowadays, how you know uh, his generation, they were like idiots and all this stuff. And um, you know, from 18 and his 20s, they were just morons and everything, and they were just reckless and... Old, older people tell them, you need to get in line and all this stuff. I think I'm doing the the Parkland joke he did. And then he said, so I'll just do that. So then he said something about the the Parkland students, how they're all serious and they're like wearing suits and they're on, you know, they're testifying in front of Congress and going, you need to, you know, whatever. And he's like, fuck you, you're a fucking kid. You know what I mean? Like, and then he says, why are you important? Because you went to a school where kids got shot. Uh, he's like, why does that mean I have to listen to you? And... Um, and they said, all you did was push a fat kid out of the way. So he got shot or something. So he's, he's the joke again. I'm not saying like, oh man, I wish I wrote that joke. I wish I had that joke in my act. I'm not saying that at all. Cause I don't do that type of comedy really at all. But the joke is not, uh, the joke. I'm trying to explain this the best way possible. Cause I realize everyone's probably thinking I'm a piece of shit just for repeating the joke. But the joke is about how when he was younger, the older people were telling him and his generation to get in line and they were a bunch of fuck ups. And now it's like the younger ones are telling you, you need to listen to me. And it's like, whole point is like, you're a kid. Like you don't even know, you know, you haven't lived blah, blah. You went through something horrible, but whatever. So that was his joke. It was, you know, I'm sure I'm butchering the joke, but that was the gist of it. And then the trans thing was, he said something about how they're just, again, it was just like the young generation telling people like, Oh, you need to address me as, uh, them because I'm gender neutral. And he's like, oh, okay, well address me as there. Cause I identify as a location. Right. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> again, like this is to me, this is the same shit. Louis CK would be saying, say he never got, say he never was, you know, asking women if he could jerk off in front of him. He never got uh, in any trouble because he never did any of that stuff. Let's just say he's the exact same guy, except he didn't ever jerk off in front of women or ask women if he could jerk off in front of them and then jerk off in front of them. This sounds like the exact same type of stuff he'd be doing. And now everybody, and I'm not saying, oh, it's great, it's brilliant, he's my favorite comic, but it's like now everybody's piling on the guy like, oh, how could he? How could he say this? You know what I mean? Like he's a horrible person. And a lot of the people on uh, Twitter are saying, Oh, he's just gonna, he's basically uh, right wing. Like, how's this like a Republican thing? I don't get it. He always crossed the line. And now he's like, now he's a conservative because he is joking about touchy subjects when he always joked about the touchiest subject. He's basically picking the touchiest subjects and joking about them, which is what he always did. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, he's basically made it a point. He's just gonna tour red states from now on. 
And I, I don't even understand where that leap comes from. He's the exact same guy joking in the exact same way, doing stand-up the exact same way he used to do. And now that he got caught up in some other thing that he did, you know, which is not the best thing, now all of a sudden his act is inappropriate. I mean, I'm not even going to go through. You can Google, like, you know, uh, probably like most offensive Louis C.K. jokes or something, whatever. In the past, he was on Saturday Night Live, and he did a bit, which I can't remember how it was done, but basically it was about child molesters and how, hey, child molestation's wrong, but, you know, that's got to be tough for them, you know? Like, that's what they're into, and he does a whole bit. I mean, that's what's what's touchier than that? I mean, that's a touchy subject. So he did this on SNL. He did this on NBC just a couple years ago. And everybody was like, oh, man, Louie does it, man. He goes for it. Nobody else goes for it the way Louie does. And it's like, all right, fine. You know what I mean? Like, it's comedy. That's the other thing I don't get when people are saying, you know, uh, you know, he's like he can't like he should be doing com- it's comedy it's it's the exact same boat as we were in before with louis ck you either think he's funny or you don't that's it it's comedy it's the same as any comedian same for me i'm nowhere close to being as famous or as, as successful as louis ck as a comedian but i'm successful as a comedian it's my living that i make my living i've been doing it for you know 15 years so the same thing when you come to my show i mean i don't joke about super touchy things like that um but you come to my show you either like it or you don't it's fine and it's fine if you're sitting there and everybody likes me and you hate me you think my jokes suck that's totally fine you don't have i don't get why comedians it's this weird thing where people are like oh all of a sudden you can't joke about that you can joke about whatever you want and people are either going to like it or they're not going to like it. It's either going to make you popular or it's going to make you semi-popular. It's going to make you, you know, quit because no one, you're, no one's laughing at your jokes because you're not good at making it funny. Like, it's that, that's it. It's the exact same place as before. He did a joke. So he did a joke about that. Did the 9/11 joke? I mean, like these are all things that I'm sure if he did now, people would be like, "This guy, you shouldn't be joking about 9/11. You shouldn't be joking about child molesters and stuff." He did it on Saturday Night Live, and everybody applauded it and said, "Like, oh, way to go! This guy's great, fearless." So I don't, I don't get it. You know, there's also a funny thing that a uh, quick side note about comedians. I don't tweet a lot. I tweeted some response to a, a you know a post from somebody who's like has millions of followers right and then so a bunch of people saw it and these people only can see it if they go through the comments it's not you know i didn't post it to my thing or whatever i don't really use twitter that much it's just such a, a wasteland of just hate so a lot of people liked it and so obviously a couple people didn't and so a couple people were like oh pretty bold putting comedian in your bio and somebody else said something about like uh like why am i calling myself a comedian it's like I, I am a comedian. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm the best comedian in the world and you're wrong if you don't think I'm funny. I'm saying I am a comedian though. Like you can't take that away from me. <laughs> like it is what I do to make money. Like I don't do anything else. So what are you talking about? Like you could say like, oh, I don't like that joke or you're not funny. Fine, that's fine. But like I don't, I told my buddy, I don't, uh, there's a lot of music out there, right? And we all have different tastes in music. We like a lot of the same stuff. I'm sure we disagree on stuff. We agree on stuff. Uh, I don't ever see a band that I don't like personally and go, they're not musicians. Of course they're musicians. They're not even a band. I don't like them. Therefore, they're not a band. That doesn't make any sense. People are so self-centered. They think their opinion, especially with com- comedy, I feel like, you know, 
With comedy, I feel like their opinion matters so much. I was, uh, I'll give you a quick example. I'm on the cruise ship um, the other day. One of the last shows, was it the last show? I think it was my last show. And uh, if you guys have ever been to a stand-up comedy show, sometimes, you know, things go off the rails a little bit. You mess with the crowd and that becomes kind of the show, right? And some comics go out there trying to like mess with the crowd. Some, you know, I, I'm at a point, I, I go out there, I like to do material. I mess with the crowd a little bit, but I, like, you know, I don't force the interaction with the crowd. And if something happens, I can go with it. Cause I used to do a lot of crowd work They call it crowd work. I used to do a lot of that. So I can go with it and it's fun. And some crowds love crowd work. Some crowds are like, yes, finally, he's talking to us. This is so much funnier. Cause it's, you know, off the cuff and it's in the moment and, and he's coming up with all the stuff on the spot. So it really gets the crowd going. Other crowd, I've been to other crowds where they don't really want you to talk to him and they just love hearing material. So every crowd's different, whatever. So I'm on the ship and I'm doing this, uh, my last show. And I got to do 30 minutes every show. And I'm probably, honestly, I'd probably say about 19, 20 minutes in. It's going well. Crowd, like everyone seems to be laughing, having a good time. And uh, then I forgot what happened. Something happened. I'm talking to people in the front row and it just kind of, it became fun. It became fun to talk to them. The crowd starts like erupting. You know, they were laughing a lot before, but now they're erupting in laughter. They're cheering. I'm messing with them, the people in the front. I'm messing with this other table in the front. I'm messing with this guy who is super drunk and wearing like an elf outfit, and everyone's cracking up at that. Everyone's having fun. And in my head, I'm like, hey, you know, this is going well. I'm going to milk it as long as I can and everything. Everyone's having a good time. I'm not saying like offensive stuff. No one's groaning or anything. Everyone's just having a great time cheering. Everyone's having a great time, right? Out of nowhere, there's probably, by the way, I'd say. 300 people at this show maybe more but probably around 300 like minimum 250 it's a max maybe 350 but probably around 300 and uh this lady yells out out of nowhere uh right after a huge laugh dies down it's been going great she goes go back to the jokes please like this lady wanted jokes which is fine she wanted material but it's like everybody's having fun around you why do you think you're so important that you want to ruin what's happening? And then I made fun of her, obviously, and everybody was on board with that. And it was funny because after the show, three people came up to me. All these people came up to me, but these three people specifically came up to me and saying they had a great time. And these three people were like, hey, that was our friend who you know, said that, and we don't know why she did. She's an idiot or whatever. I'm like, oh, you know what? Some, that happens. Sometimes when you're doing crowd work for... And even if it's going really well, there's always like some people you could tell are like, hey, I'm not super into like, I don't want to hear about these people in the front row and I don't want to hear about the guy in the elf thing. I want to hear jokes, right? I go, it's totally fine. I kind of sense that there might be something in the room. You know, it kind of happens a lot. When you do stand up for years, like you, that's type of shit you can kind of sense. So it wasn't a big deal. I wasn't like offended, but it's just funny to me how that human being in that moment is like, hey, this room is having a great time with what's happening, but I don't really like it as much as everybody else. It needs to stop. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. I don't know what that is with comedy specifically. I'm sure it's other things too, but I mean, I can only talk about what I know best. But uh, it's a weird thing that people think they can tell comedians online, you're not even a comedian. Well, yeah, they are. If you don't, you know, if you don't like Michelle Wolf or you don't like Chris Rock or you don't like, you know, Amy Schumer or you don't like uh, Nick DePaulo, whatever, I'm just naming David Tell, Jeffrey Ross, whatever, I'm just naming people, Sarah Silverman, you know. I just named a bunch of people. They've had jokes where I don't think they're funny. I don't. I never go. They're no longer a comedian because I don't find <laughs> that joke funny. It's just such a weird mental thing that people do. So, get to, getting back to the Louis C.K. thing, they say he's a he's a he's like a right wing guy now. Some people are saying, which makes no sense to me. 
he's the exact same guy as before. I don't know if he's right wing, left wing, in the middle, libertarian, whatever. I will say this, though. This guy, they're, they're trying to label him right wing. These are like the same people, I feel like, who in 2016 during the election, Louis C.K. Uh, wrote a Facebook post about how no one should vote for Donald Trump, right? Which, fine, he's an American citizen. He could write whatever he wants. And that guy, it went viral. People just started sharing, like, look, this is what, and this is what I was talking about before. I think Louis, you know, he has some great bits. And, uh, you know, you can't take away that he that he is a, a good comedian, in my opinion. But I don't like when comedians then talk about issues and people put them on a pedestal. As it, And sometimes a comedian is very well versed on the issue. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes whatever. Sometimes just repeating talking points. Who cares? But, you know, and if you like his opinion, you like his opinion on the issue. But my point is, you know, it gets passed around as like, look, he's so smart. He's like one of the smartest among us. And now he's doing a joke about the Parkland survivors and a joke about trans people. And it's like, what a, what a fucking Republican douchebag. It's like, how's he Republican all of a sudden? I don't even get that. He, 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 two years ago was super popular for telling everyone not to vote for Donald Trump, who was the Republican candidate. So I just stuff like leaps like that, that people make are very interesting to me. Um, and okay, so here's the last thing that I'll say. Uh, I always thought that Louis K had great bits. Like I said, some bits were phenomenal. Some I thought were whatever, but people liked him. And when you like somebody, you like their material. Same with even people that like me. I could get away with certain bits that they're probably like, oh, I like Jeff, so I like a sense of humor. So I laughed really hard at that. And somebody who maybe's never seen me in the audience might be like, eh, that one wasn't like that great. Okay, so that's just how it is when you like somebody. Uh, in any situation, actor, comedian, musician, friend, uh, you know, whatever. Spouse, you let people get away with more stuff than you let other people get away with. So my thing is, there's multiple stories of Louis C.K. offstage, not the jerking off stuff, where I'd heard a long time ago, I have a buddy who's a comic, I don't know if he wants me to say his name, but he told me a story, and it was I cracked up when he told me the story because it's sad, but it's also really funny. So when he was a young comic in San Francisco, and I'm not going to try and do the story in detail because I, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but basically the nuts and bolts of it is his favorite comics, he said, were Dave Attell and Louis C.K. He got a chance to open for Louis C.K. I think it was at the San Francisco Punchline. And he was so excited. It was just him and Louis C.K. This is years ago. This is probably 2003 or four or five, something like that, right? And he's so pumped because like he's, he's meeting one of his idols. And this is why you shouldn't have idols, by the way. Here it goes. So he does. He had to do 20 minutes, and then Louis was going to do an hour, right? Or an hour and a half, whatever. So he does his 20 minutes, and he's he's excited. He's a young comic, and he gets to open for one of his idols, and he's hoping he has a great show, right? And he has a great show. He tells me, he's like, I had this great set, and everybody really liked me, and his audience really liked me. And there's also that thing when you're a young comic, like maybe this famous comedian will be like, hey, do you want to come on the road with me? Do you want to be my friend? And you get to, you know what I mean? You get to become friends with one of your idols. So that sort of happened with me uh, early on with Pablo Francisco. I got to tour with him a little bit for a year, and it was cool because I knew who he was before, and I got to tour with him, and he helped basically turn me into a professional comic. So um, so, so my friend does this set, opens for Louis, does great. Everybody, my dog is barking in the background. I'm upstairs, but that is really, I, I can hear it, so I'm sure you guys can hear it. Um, that means people showed up, so I'm just going to keep trying to talk over my dog. But uh, So he, he has a set, the set's great. And then he said, Louis goes on stage and just called him a faggot on stage to the audience for like 10 minutes straight. 
And I was like, what? He's telling me the story. I'm like, what? Like in a, like a jokey way? Like he's making a joke. He's like, no. Like in a mean, like, hey, that guy sucked, right? Like what a fucking faggot. Like he just kept calling him that word. And I'm, excuse my language, that word. That's not a word I use, but I'm just telling you the story. And he just kept calling him this word. And it was like in a mean way. And I'm like, how'd the audience react? And he's like, well, is it like Louis? So they just were like kind of sort of going with it. It was like kind of weird though. Like they weren't like cracking up or whatever. So I heard that story and I'm like, that's such a fucked up thing to do. You know what I mean? And I get that when you're, have people opening for you. Like I have people open for me. I don't know who they are. And I, you know, I don't care one way or another how their set goes, but I don't go on stage and shit on them. You know what I mean? And so I remember for a long time, I thought this guy's not, doesn't seem like the best dude, you know, forget com- comedy stuff. Like doesn't seem like, cause you know, you don't have to be a dick when you're famous. I get that people get jaded and I'm jaded in certain ways, but like, you don't have to be an asshole. And so another thing, and you, and this, I will try and find if I can get the audio and I'll put it at the end. Um, Louis CK himself a few years ago was on Jimmy Fallon on the tonight show. And he told a story about how, when, uh, he was writing. He was the head writer for the Dana Carvey show, and Jimmy Fallon was a young comic, and he was really funny. And he came in, he did all his impressions, and he killed. It. He had a great audition. Then he said the other people wanted to hire Jimmy Fallon for this show, and you got to think at this time. This is before Fallon was on SNL, and uh, I think it was before he was on SNL. I'm pretty sure it was. And uh, he's like very young. He's trying to get a break. Just a guy trying to get a break, and. Louis C.K. said, now nah, we're not hiring that guy because he's like, he's telling Jimmy Fallon this story. And like on the Tonight Show, it's fun kind of because it's, you know, Jimmy Fallon obviously is super famous now and he's very successful. So who cares? You know what I mean? Like Louis kept him off some show back in the day, but he's telling him this story and Fallon's laughing along with it because, you know, they're on TV and also because Fallon probably doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? He's so famous now and he's, he's had great success. So what does this matter? But the story is basically Louis said like, yeah, I was like, fuck that guy. You know, like he's all good looking and funny and super funny and good looking. Like, I don't want this fucking guy around. Like, you know, cause I felt like I'm ugly and whatever. So it's like, it's, it's funny in the way that like he, Louis being honest and he's telling Jimmy Fallon, who's like a really famous person. And I, I feel like he's probably telling him that story because, and this is just my guess completely. He probably had some guilt about it. You know what I mean? I mean, Jimmy Fallon is having him on his show and he's helping him promote whatever Louie was on there to promote his special or a new show he had or whatever at the time. And Jimmy Fallon, from what I've heard about Jimmy Fallon, by the way, and I've never met Jimmy Fallon, but I know people know him. He's supposedly like a super nice guy, like very, very nice, very, very nice guy. And it all is like the friendliest dude. So, you know, Louis, Louis probably, I'm guessing felt like kind of like, geez, like I, I want to tell this story cause I think it'd be a funny story cause Jimmy's really successful now. And I was such a loser for doing that, right? Like that's, you know, like a lot of Louis bits, like I said, like the, like uh, the 9-11 bit he did, it's, it's about him being a shitty guy. So um, I'm going to try and find the audio and throw that in at the end so you guys can listen to it because it, it is like funny but weird and awkward and I don't know, just strange. So uh, that's it for that. That's my take. Every, every comedian has a take on all this stuff. But like I said, he's a comedian. He's allowed to do stand-up. Uh, you know, if you don't like it, it's totally fine. Don't listen. If you like it, that's fine. You know what I mean? Uh, if you think he crosses the line, it goes too far. That's fine. If you, if you think he crosses the line, it's great. That's fine. It's, it's comedy guys. It's not, no one's being court ordered to listen to a specific comedian. So just move on. So, uh, anyways, 
Um, last but not least, just want to, you know, uh, remember my grandma, my grandma still passed away a year ago yesterday and, uh, it's my last grandparent to go, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, she was just the best. My grandma was really funny. I talk about her a little bit on stage. Uh, but, uh, she, she had kind of like memory loss towards the end and, uh, she didn't have Alzheimer's, but she had pretty bad dementia. And, it, you know, some days it would be worse and some days it would be better. And my wife, I'm glad my wife got to see this because uh, it just showed that my grandma was just really funny. And uh, so one time I knew my grandma had bad dementia, obviously. And, you know, it was probably, probably the year, last year. So it was probably during the year that she passed away. Um, I said, Grandma, I'm going to go downstairs. She lived in a, you know, a, an old folks home, basically, right? And, uh, I said, Grandma, I'm going to go downstairs and get some coffee. Do you want coffee? Because I know my grandma likes coffee. And she goes, no, it's okay, babe. And I go, you sure? I go, you sure, Grandma? You don't want coffee? Because I'm going down there. I can get you coffee. And I'm trying to like, I always, by, by the way, towards the end, I'd always call her Grandma every time I talked to her because like every sentence because I wanted her to remember because she would get confused and I could tell. I wanted her to remember like, oh, this is my grandson. Um, because uh, anyway, so I kept, I asked her like three or four times, like, are you positive, Grandma? Because I could just grab you a cup of coffee. And she goes, no. She's like, it's fine, sweetie. Don't worry about it. So I'm like, okay. So I come back upstairs with coffee and I think Christy wanted coffee. I think my wife wanted coffee too. So I come back upstairs with the coffee and uh, my grandma completely obviously forgot about that conversation and goes, well, you just, you just went and got coffee for yourself. And I just start smiling because I knew it was coming. And I was like, well, yeah, grandma, I asked you a couple times, you know, like, if you want coffee, she goes, what in the hell kind of person goes and gets coffee just for themselves? Oh, I guess Christy didn't want coffee. So she just starts going off on like, what kind of a, basically she was like, what kind of a son of a bitch goes and gets coffee for themselves? Doesn't even ask. She goes, you didn't even ask anybody else if they want a coffee. And Christy thinks it's hilarious. So Christy goes, yeah, Jeff, I would have liked some coffee. So she piles on and my grandma just had the most disappointed, like she's like, you know, looking away and shaking her head like what a loser. Um, but yeah. Another thing I remember, this is a, this is obviously years ago, but when I bought, uh, I used to have a condo in Long Beach that was close to the beach and everything, and I was all proud of it. It's a little one-bedroom condo. And when I bought it, I was over with my grandma and my mom. We were visiting her, and my mom told her, hey, hey, mom, guess what? Uh, Jeff just got a, he bought a condo in Long Beach. So he's like real close to the beach, real, real cute little condo over there. And my grandma goes, she, this is why I would tell, tell, call her grandma every sentence when I spoke to her because she would get confused and she's looking at my mom who she knew was her daughter and I think she got confused about who I was so she thought I was my dad. And so my grandma goes, well, I don't like it. And my mom goes, what don't you like? He got a, bought a condo. It's really nice. And she goes, well, where are you going to live? My mom goes, I'm going to live at my house. And she goes, I don't, I don't like this. And then she's like, why not? <laughs> so I just started going, grandma, grandma, like I got a condo and everything. And so she, then she realized what was going on. But anyways, I'm going to miss my grandma. I don't know if that second story, that second story might be kind of sad the way it comes off, but it was, it was fun. Um, she was the best. I really believe that people, I don't know what you guys' religious beliefs are or personal beliefs, but I read this book, Return to Life, about, um, I recently read this book. It's about kids all over the world who have recollections of past lives. And it is super interesting, really good book. Um, most of it, like 80% of the book is all about these different stories of kids remembering past lives. And they're remembering things by the way, that there's no way they could know. 
and uh, about these people who don't live anywhere near them. Sometimes they live like you know in certain countries. It was like I was you know, but any of the, like a few villages over or something, but or hundred or hundred and fifty miles away. But there's no way, no one in their family knew anyone. No one, no one had told them. They say this stuff from like a young age. It's insane. And some of the people, this is a thing. Say past lives are a thing. Just follow me for a second. Say you believe that. Some of the people, you know, most people say 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 I never remembered a past life, but say I did when I was a kid. If I'm just saying stuff about some random person, most people have no notoriety. No, most people weren't famous in any way. You know what I mean? Most people, especially before technology and the internet and all these and pictures and all that stuff and all the, the better and better documentation has become most people, you couldn't figure out who they were talking about. So if I'm a kid, say I was three years old, and I'm telling my parents like, Oh yeah, I used to be this guy named Roger and I worked in a, you know, a cave in China and I, I did a mine in China and I did blah, blah, blah. My parents would be like, Oh, he probably just saw stuff on TV and he's throwing words around. Right. And I had a daughter named, you know, whatever, Jin Bao and all this stuff, right? Okay, so you would never be able to find out. You probably wouldn't even think to find out if that person was a real person or anything, right? So some of these people, some of these kids, especially one of them, remembered being, I think it was a Hollywood writer or something. And it's like this guy knew, this kid knew how he, like, how he died. He knew, uh, you know, the year he was born. He knew all about, like, the homes he lived in. He, he knew all these people. They just show him photographs of, like, multiple people in the photograph. And he's like, yeah, that's me, and that's so-and-so, and that's so-and-so. Like, like, and these people are not super famous. So it's like, how the fuck would he know this, right? So it's very, very interesting. So anyways, it gets to the end of the book, the last 20%, gets into, like, quantum mechanics and quantum physics, and it is – the book goes from, like, a really fun, easy read about these stories about different kids to – super tough like you got to like reread paragraphs at least i had to like reread paragraphs figure out what they're saying and everything um so it basically my point is our top scientists <laughs> basically have proven that they have no clue how the universe works they say uh you know physics as we know it and everything is useful to a certain point but when it comes to like quantum physics stuff there's no way of knowing they basically also proven that they're there must be different realities that are happening simultaneously and stuff. It's super, super interesting. And when I say like basic physics is useful for what it is, is like, you know, when you open a door, you're pushing on the handle towards you and that's why the door moves, you know, stuff like that, right? They say that is useful just to, just to wrap our minds around the world we live in, but a lot of that isn't even correct, they're finding out. So it's really, really weird. Anyways, so... Check it out. The book's called Return to Life, I believe. I'll let my mom borrow it. So my point is my grandma, my grandpa, my other grandma and grandpa, they're all different. They're just they're just somewhere else, I believe. I just believe they're somewhere else. And, you know, I hope they're not old and sick anymore. I don't think they are. And uh yeah, so, you know, obviously death is sad and everything, but I really uh find some peace in knowing that um my really my they're in a better place. So I really believe that. All right, I'm going to hopefully find this Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show with Louis C.K. thing. And uh, as always, guys, if you can uh, rate the podcast five stars on iTunes, really easy. Just click five stars. If you want to leave a review, that's great. And uh, what else? If you want to email me, that's all in the show notes. You can find out where to email me. I think it's the Jeff Keith Show at gmail.com. And it's been a couple weeks since I did a podcast. So the Jeff Keith Show at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, my social media, I'll try and do better on stuff like that. But Twitter, it's at Jeff Keith and uh, Instagram at Jeff Keith. I think that's pretty much it, guys. I uh, hope you're having a great New Year. hope you had a great New Year's Eve. And yeah, I'm going to try and get more of these out uh, this year. I'm trying to really stay on top of it.
I have something on my, on my Are you mind. okay? Well, no, yeah, I'm thinking ahead. about something. I was thinking right. about something because I heard this thing backstage. They said, Louis wants to add this story. And I don't know if you know, remember this. And I go, I, I, what? And they go, you auditioned for Louis once years ago. And That's I, and, right. And, he, and he, I, I go, I don't, remember, I don't remember this. And they go, well, have a good show. And then, <laughs> yeah. So I want to know what's, what are, I auditioned you for. You auditioned for me. I was uh, the head writer of the Dana Carvey show, which is a show that was on ABC. Uh, Absolutely. Back in the 90s. I love it. Yeah, it's seven it was... episodes and they got canceled. But yeah, just... when I watched it, yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, it oh, was yeah. at a big deal at the time. Dana had just come off of SNL and the writing staff was all these great guys like Charlie Kaufman, who wrote uh, Oscar winning movies, and um, Smigel. Sm Robert Smigel. Unbelievably and, amazing. Uh, everybody on the show. Steve Carell was on the show. Stephen Colbert was on the show. It was a huge uh, show. Yeah, I do remember this. Yeah, so we were auditioning uh, people to be in the cast, and you came in, and you were a young, uh, adorable little boy. Uh, I mean, he was a grown man. I'm not a creep. But. <laughs> You came in and auditioned for us. Yeah. Me and all the producers just were sitting in chairs, uh -huh. and you came in and you were playing guitar, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you had these little troll dolls, and you were singing songs about troll dolls. <laughs> and uh, you'd sing, and you're kind of like, just really, you're like, hey, okay, so here's a song about a troll doll. And then you're like singing, and then. <laughs> Your impression of yeah, me it's is you. unbelievable. That's... I've never seen you do an yeah. impression. That's why I'm like hilariously yeah. laughing. Yeah, and you're like, so here's a song by a troll doll. If uh, Neil Diamond sang it or something like that, I don't know, you're doing impressions. <laughs> Neil Diamond? I don't remember any yeah, impressions. Yeah. And then you would turn around and you'd kind of wiggle your ass a little bit. Because you had, you know, you were young and you had a tight little ass. So you wiggle your ass. <laughs> what are you uh, talking about? I'm just making observations. I didn't have any feelings about it. I'm just saying what I saw. Anyway, so you did. I wouldn't do it after every joke. I he think did it I a do few it. times. He did it a few, two, <laughs> no, two or three times. Two or three times. Yes, I'm I, sitting there, I'm watching, and you would just turn your, and you would just wiggle your ass, and I was like, <laughs> what, what God, is he doing? I, I definitely did not do that, but. <laughs> no, you did. No, I definitely didn't do that, but if I right. did, I Why think would I, I say it? Why would I say it if it wasn't true? Because maybe I did it once and just stuck in your brain, you wanted more and more so you and did. more, <laughs> but you couldn't get it. Leave him wanting more. No, because I do an okay, impression so, but, George Michael. Right. And I, so I did, the, I did turn around and yeah, shake my sure, butt, but sure you did. I didn't do it after every joke. <laughs> Not after every joke. It's somewhere, the truth lies between us somewhere. <laughs> but, so, but so here's, which is usually the case. But so here's what happened. So then we had our meeting about who's going to be on the show, and your yeah. name came up. And all the women in the staff were like, he has to be on. That guy's gonna be a huge star. And me and this guy, Dino, who's a writer, Dino Stamatopoulos on the show, we were both like, never, never him, never him. I will quit. I think I actually said, I will quit the show. <laughs> what? If you hire that kid. Absolutely what? not. You, Absolutely not. No I was one. dead against you. Yes, because you, were, uh, you had all your hair, you were you know, in shape, you were a young kid, and I was already kind of just like sweaty and balding, and I was <laughs> depressed, and I was pure jealousy. And in my head, I knew, like, this is really up to be doing this, because yeah. this kid is really talented, but I don't want to look at him every day, because it'll make me upset about myself. So I torpedoed your chances to have, and I mean, I really, really went to bat against you. <laughs> and you didn't get the show. I did not get the it show. It doesn't matter. I mean, you were, you were, you were, you were inevitable. You're a huge talent. You're a <laughs> superbly talented kid. You are. You are.
And no matter what, I appreciate that. If you had gotten on the show, it would probably be on the air now, and you would have probably taken it over at some point. It would be the Jimmy Fallon Dana, D Jimmy Fallon's Dana Carvey show. Not <laughs> sure what it would have been right now, but I can't believe that though. You squashed my dreams. Yes, I did for a minute, but that just shows, you know, nobody can really hurt you, you know. I took a thing away from you. I took something away from you. You did. Yeah, and look at you now. <laughs> you want me to thank you? No, I don't. <laughs> oh I kind of do, yeah. Yeah, I kind of do. You you Everything do. that happens in your path leads to where you are, right? <laughs> so if you got the Dana Carvey show, by the way, we did can get canceled after seven episodes, and then you would have been uh, in some ditch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I right never heard the story. I can't believe it. With your troll dolls and your fine ass, you'd be in a ditch. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you, Louie. Thank you're you right. thank so you. much. Thanks. I do. Thanks for letting to my daddy.